0: Welcome back to Stories from the Ashes, where we pontificate on good books and the stories that define and refine us. I'm Amber, and I'm here with Amanda and our special guest today, Mary Banducci, who you may know from Instagram as Apothecary Mary. Welcome, Mary.
1: Thank you. I'm so I'm so excited to be on here today.
0: We are so glad to have you here. For just our listeners, Mary is sitting outside, and she has this ginormous wood pile behind her. And I am just jealous about it.
2: <laughs> so beautiful! You have an enormous food pile too. It was I a do, lot but of right behind me. <laughs> oh.
0: So Mary lives in Northern Idaho. And do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Are you married? Do you
1: have kids? I am married to my wonderful husband Paul, and we have two kids and two shaggy dogs. We homeschool here in North Idaho, and we actually moved farther out into the country so we could have a little bit of land, which to forage and let our kids grow up in nature.
0: That's beautiful. We try to get to know our guests through some of their favorite books. So do you want to share three of your favorite books with us that have been influential in your life or just that you really loved?
1: I would love to do that. Um, So actually, books really come to me and are like a balm for my soul.
2: Mm -hmm. And usually
1: I find that I'm reading the perfect book for the situation that I'm in. So we moved out here and we had a plan to enjoy this life. And we actually ended up having to do a lot of mold remediation Mm -hmm. and construction and living amidst that when you thought you bought a house that's whole and was listed as one thing, but was completely different. It was just chaos (laughs) and a little bit Mm -hmm. traumatic. And trying to homeschool, and my husband um, was also being persecu- uh, prosecuted by the state. I would say persecuted, because mm-hmm. that's what it felt, like. <laughs> um, it felt like, oh, more, oh. like. More of your story at the racketeer lounge. But during all of mm-hmm. that, I actually had a couple books that I reread. Uh, I read them as like a teenager, and then I was rereading, kind of going through my library shelf. And they just spoke to me in a different way. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: I really... I really enjoyed, I brought them with me. (laughs) I really enjoyed Chalice by Robin McKinley. And I actually have this card that during the time that I was reading this book or rereading this book, the card, I saw this card in a grocery store and I was like, I need that for myself. (laughs) So I bought myself a card. It said, this will make a great story someday. Oh. And on the inside it says, but today we celebrate. So, I really oh. liked that because it was a perspective shift for me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed I read her book, actually, Chalice, the same time I was reading The Next Right Thing by Emily P. Freeman mm-hmm. and it kind of tied perfectly together because I felt like her as a character she's just doing the next thing and she doesn't always do it perfectly, and that spoke to my heart at the time, so here's my my two books, but and I really actually enjoyed this book, The Next Right Thing. She also has a podcast that she does, which I haven't listened to in a while, but I loved the the first season of it. But there was one moment um, that I was in my kitchen and my kitchen had no floor and I was like straddling the joists, trying to like heat up oatmeal for my kids in the microwave. <laughs> and like my kid had a problem, like was math in the dining room where we had all of our stuff packed in because we had you know, we're living in different rooms of our house that aren't meant for it Mm -hmm. during the modeling and reconstruction and the construction guys show up. And I'm just like, like it was overwhelming and also just, just hard for me. And there was a part in this book that she's going through something really hard. And she said, this is still a, a, a right like any other. And that reminded me that what I'm doing is important. And what I was Doing with my children meant something and it was worthy. So I really, I really enjoyed that book at that time. And she works a little bit with herbs. She's, it's a fantasy novel and I love fantasy because sometimes I feel like it's more true and real Mm -hmm. than real because we were made for for a different realm. Yeah, absolutely. So, and then the other book I reread was called A String in the Harp by Nancy Boyd Bond. Sorry, Nancy Bond. And I just love this one as well. Reread it, I guess is what I should say. It's a family that their mother just passed away like the previous year. The daughter is coming from the United States to spend time with her family in Wales, and it's very much about being out in nature, and the character also decides not to go back to school and she journals, which was a good prompting for me because I process things a lot by writing them down so Mm-hmm. I also was journaling during this, and um, it just reminded me to be out of doors and that God is in control. So,
0: yeah, those I, I, I just started reading that book for the first time. That's my van <laughs> book for when I'm waiting for the kids to come in and out of appointments.
1: Oh, cool. I love yeah. that. So let's bring in the harp. She has.
0: Yeah. Have you the harp. Read I'm, I'm far enough into it that the daughter has arrived and She's arrived at the house. So I've really just started it. But the way the author describes the cold, you can Uh feel the cold, like the difference from the cold in the States to the cold in Wales coming in winter. It's like, oh, yeah, that's cold.
1: (laughs) She does an amazing job describing it. And like you feel like you are there in the moment. Well, I love that that you're reading it. too. I hope I didn't spoil it. No, no. I I love love
0: spoilers. It It makes it more enjoyable. for
1: me. (laughs) I don't like them.
2: I but it looks like it won an award. What award did it win?
0: Is oh. it a Newberry honor or is it a Newberry? I think it's one of those two.
1: It's, an, it's a Newberry honor. Nice. That's yeah. Why and I you can see like, I've tabbed things. Like I do that to my books now. Yeah. I want to I go back and be able to remember that. And actually, my daughter yeah. just started reading this as well. So it's fun to be able to share books with her and then talk about it later. How yeah. old is your daughter? My daughter is just about to be 12. Okay,
2: so it's good for preteens then, you'd say?
1: Yeah, I would I would think it was okay for I think it's definitely okay for my preteen. I don't know about other. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. there is there is the whole the tragic passing of the mother and like the family dealing with that. Mm-hmm. So I guess content consideration for that.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you tab your pages, which is totally fine. They're your books. You can do what you want. I underline in my books. And (laughs) the best thing that I've ever learned for underlining. So I used to not underline as much because I need a straight line. I don't like it when my line is uneven and gets into the text. Amanda can laugh at me all she wants, but it annoys the (laughs) crap out of me the second time I'm reading through and I can't read well because my own underlining is blocking the text. And so one of my friends in when I was probably 20, I was watching him read his Bible. And I'm like, why do you have a playing card in your Bible? And he's like to underline. And I'm like, oh, so now I use playing cards as bookmarks. And then all I have to do is rotate it sideways and It's a straight line and it's about the like if you get the taller playing cards, it's about the width of the text if you wanted to do the full line. But I've also started collecting stiffer bookmarks to use for straight edges, to like shorter ones because I don't like the really long ones. They get bent because I just throw the book in my purse and then the bookmarks all bent. But if it's short enough to go into the pages, but long enough to go across the text, I like those for a good straight edge.
2: That's a great idea. That's a good use for all the playing cards you don't need when you're playing Euchre. Yes.
0: <laughs> exactly. Keep a Euchre deck and then you have all these extra playing cards.
1: <laughs> uh, you could also use cards. You could start yeah. buying mm-hmm. your book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I,
0: this might sound inappropriate to some people, but those cards that they give you at funerals, when they laminate them, they're the exact right length because my my dad's card got laminated and so I have that in some books and then we were really good friends with Margaret Vincy Helt, and she was the beehive queen like she created the beehive hairstyle back in the 60s and uh-huh. was just like fashion icon but her she was catholic and so hers has a really long catholic prayer and a picture of the saint on the back so it's bigger than just the photograph so that one is like the perfect size and it's always nice (laughs) to be reminded of the people that you love who aren't there so i love using their cards as bookmarks and i have my grandpa's card in some books so it's it's always nice because i i read a lot of books at the same time like sometimes i'll have like 30 books going and it'll take me a couple years to get through all of them just rotating through and so then you come back to a book after a six month break and you're like, I love these people that are in this book. I forgot they were reading along with me. So I really like to use those those cards and in, in the books as well.
1: I love that you have very, lots of books going at once. Yes. <laughs> I, well, my interests, I think it's like the
0: ADHD, like my interests vary mm-hmm. from day to day and my mood varies. And if I'm feeling really excited today, I don't want to read a downer. But if I'm really feeling kind of like moody with the rainy weather. I don't really want to read some book where she's like, life is sunshine. It's like, it's not sunshine. It's sitting in front of the (laughs) fireplace with a cup of hot chocolate and the rain going like, let's find a book that fits this. So I like to read through those. And for nonfiction books, I do a ton of just reading individual chapters. And I know some people think that's terrible, but it works for me. Like if I bought a book because I'm interested in a specific topic the author covers, I'll generally Mm -hmm. read the intro to get the overview of their belief system and application of everything. And then I'll just skip to the chapter about what's applicable to my life or my kid's life or the mm-hmm. the research I'm looking for on this specific learning disability or this specific thing that's, you know, phys- physical disability that's being talked about in that chapter. and And then the rest of the book's great to have as a resource if I need it later and sometimes a few years later I'll come back to a book and be like okay now I need this chapter but it served me well to be able to read in more of my non-fiction books than I would if I felt like mm-hmm. I had this loyalty to the book to read the entire thing cover to cover like the books are here to serve us not the other well, way around I
2: was, we started reading how to read a book by Mortimer Adler and that not very far in but that has given me like some freedom to do that because there's different types of reading and you don't have to you're not like obligated to do the same type of reading for every each book.
0: Yeah. So,
2: yeah. It's good.
0: Well, Mary, I love your Instagram page. One you are completely hysterical in some of your videos. <laughs> I was loving your thread of videos when you were out paintballing with your husband. <laughs> and you, you were in the paintball gear. So if you accidentally got hit by a stray bullet, you wouldn't get too hurt. But you're just out foraging in the paintball field. And I loved that so much. But I saw yesterday that you guys have been collecting rose hips. Is that a current video? Is rose hips something that you're you're doing right now?
1: I haven't actually made a video of that recently. But I yeah, that's something yeah. that we're doing right now. Today, as part of our family time, we're going to be processing rose hips and probably listening to a book. (laughs) (laughs) We do a lot of audio books, living where we live, driving Mm -hmm. into town and driving home. And then while we're doing things, folding laundry and, and processing rose hips, processing elderberries. So we're actually, we're going to be spending a couple hours doing that today.
0: That's really fun. Do you have your book queued up already? Do you know what you'll be listening to?
1: We're listening to Galileo uh, Galileo and the Stargazers because we're studying astronomy. So it's just a one-hour audiobook by Jim Weiss, I believe. That'll be fun.
0: So how did you get started with foraging? Is this a lifelong pursuit continued, or is this something that you really got into and caught the bug in the last few
1: years? So I, I started studying herbalism about 12 years ago, 12, 13 years Mm -hmm. ago. And I mostly did self-study. I took a couple classes. And then about six years ago, I was doing a nature walk with my daughter and we're like going through the plants and like looking at this little book. And there was a picture of St. John's wort. And then there was the St. John's wort bush. And I thought I have learned so much about this plant and how amazing it Mm -hmm. is. And I've bought it on online from, you know, an herb source and like it's growing in my backyard as a weed. <laughs> yeah. so that was sort of like this revelation. That I mean, even studying herbalism, I was still yeah. disconnected from the nature that was around me and uh, how amazing the plants were. And the more I began to learn about it, the more I just felt like God was like putting plants in my life. Like mm-hmm. I remember, we used to live in a suburban neighborhood, and we tried to maintain the front of our yard as best as we could. I didn't want to use like a, a weed spray just because mm-hmm. that's how I felt. And I remember like pulling up this dock. It was called Curly Dock, but I didn't know what it was at the time. And I was just like, yanking and yanking it. And I was thinking to myself, like, I wish this had a use. <laughs> and it was the <laughs> day after that I was playing a card game with my kids. I got a foraging like card deck. You can get those on Amazon. And mm-hmm. we used to play Go Forage instead of Go Fish. So instead of like, pulling up a card when you say go fish, it was go forage and they'd pull up a card. But so we were seeing different plants all the time as we were playing this game. And I saw that plant as I pulled it up and I was like, that it does have a use. (laughs) So then just kind of like spitballed or spiraled down, maybe you want to say into just this amazing interest. I had, um, having lived in this house for a little bit, and the mold and being around the mold has turned on some autoimmune things for me. So I was having some digestive problems, and taking my kids to a horseback riding lesson, and there was a new plant, and it's like I, like I know, like I recognize you, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I had figured out what it was, and then learned about it, and it was it was something that absolutely was going to help me heal in that moment. So it just what feels was like. It? It was self-heal. It's called self-heal oh, or all heal. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. a purple, like a it almost looks like a little fat, like lavender, but like short. Yeah, I
2: have yet to find that. I've been looking.
1: Yeah. It it won't it's it's has like a two-week period where it blooms and it's just kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And then it just kind of disappears. And you're like, where did it go? <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> so how do you pronounce this plant? M-U-L-L-I-E-N.
1: Mm-hmm. M-U-L-L-I. Oh, Mullen. Mullen. Sorry, Sorry. Okay, that's I that's what I was, was saying, but it. then
0: I think I like had a creative pronunciation of it one day and Amanda was like, what are you saying? But Molin, okay. I've always
2: <laughs> said Mullen. I know I'm Mullen. Mullen. <laughs>
0: yeah, <totally> off. <laughs> so, so I was like, before I say it 30 times in a row, I think I want to make sure I'm saying it correctly. So you did yeah. a video on Mullen a couple of mm-hmm. months ago and it was... A complete answer to something I just put out there. These nighttime walks that the kids and I have been taking. Our next door neighbor is a bit of a loner. He's a single gentleman, fought in the um, Vietnam War, has some serious PTSD Mm -hmm. issues, and I just found out recently lost the love of his life like the month before their Mm -hmm. wedding and never married after that. And so that definitely gave me a different view on him as well, but. He bought the lot when the houses in our community were all being built and our house was already being built. So he got stuck with a neighbor on one side, but he bought the empty lot on the other side <laughs> because he wanted space between him and his neighbor. And <laughs> so it's the one wooded lot on our street is next to his house. And it, when we moved in, it was just full of trees and there were... Raspberries that would grow along the outside, and that was about it. Like during the spring, you could see trillium growing in among the trees, but it was really dense. And then we had the derecho land hurricane a few years ago, and it really thinned out the trees. So now there's a whole lot of new stuff growing there. So there were these plants at the edge of it, right by the sidewalk, that we would see on our nighttime walk. And it's a little bit of a hill, so because of the hill effect, these plants were about as tall as I was, and I had not seen them before, and I was like, what is this? And I just kept over and over every night. I'd be like, I need to Google this when we get home, but then we'd get home, and it'd be dark, so I couldn't take a picture of it to try to identify it, and then you did a video on Mullen, and you're like, this is Mullen, and I was like, it's Mullen, and so the next time Amanda was over, she and Matt were getting over a really bad cough, and I just sent the girls out. I was like, "Go grab some of those mullein leaves that Mister Ed said we could grab." And so they went and got them, and I made them tea. And we were talking about it. And I'd also used the leaves earlier that week for Nara's best friend who had a cough, and the, gone home with her. And her mom called me, and she's like, "Bethany says we have this on our property. What am I looking for?" <laughs> I was like, "Yes, you're looking for this mullen plant." Mm-hmm. And so Amanda did some research on it and saw that like when forests, um. What was it, Amanda? Like oh, when they no. Get... This
2: wasn't research. I've just, because I, I had, see, you made that tea for me because yeah. I had run out of my tincture. I had used it in the previous herb, I'd run out. And, um, I have been noticing that I only ever see it in wooded areas that have a lot of sunlight. So mm-hmm. any areas where the trees have been knocked down, I see it proliferate. That was it.
0: Yeah, when the trees have been yeah. knocked down. And that's what had just happened. Like we had just gone through the storm. All these trees had been knocked down. And now there was space for this mullein to grow.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I was very appreciative to you, Mary, for <laughs> covering the mullein so that I knew what
1: I had growing two doors down. It's awesome, too, because it seems like those plants and maybe it's just because we're observing them because we need them but they seem like mm-hmm. they pop up when we when we need them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Providence for sure. Yeah. I but you noticed see that in
0: that, nature a lot like the fact yeah. that jewelweed grows right by poison ivy like yeah. a lot of times what what you need to fix <laughs> an exposure to something else is there. I'm still yeah. trying to find jewelweed in our yard. Eric, <laughs> my husband is very I want to say deathly. I know that sounds like an exaggeration but it has landed him in the er (laughs) so he's very allergic to uh virginia creeper which is that plant that like grows like an ivy up stuff and turns red in the fall and it's really pretty but it's invasive and we cannot eradicate it from our yards we've been trying for like nine years but i'm like i feel like something like jewelweed should be growing in my yard too (laughs) to help offset this but maybe I just don't know how to identify it
2: I found some in muscatine but I don't see it very often
0: yeah but
2: I've noticed what has made a difference for me in the foraging is going back to the same place over and over and over again so now I have like you know I go with my little seek app and I scan everything because silly me i didn't listen to my grandpa when he told me what everything was when i was a (laughs) child and so now i have no idea so i go around my phone and scan everything but now i know when i go to this park the mulberries are here the wild gingers here the blood roots here the mullins here you know it's nice to have more of a relationship yeah but with that yeah that's awesome
0: Mary, what and do there, you tell beginners? Like, do you have three tips to not kill yourself
1: while foraging? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do. I do. I have them, I call them my four no's. Not no as in no, don't do something, but no as in no in your mind. And mm-hmm. know your plant. Be like 100% mm-hmm. certain of the plant before you use it or eat it. Mm-hmm. They're, especially like mushrooms. But there are other plants that have some poisonous lookalikes. Uh, mm-hmm. and check several different sources. So I, I actually use the Seek app, app too. And I like to use mm-hmm. that as kind of like a calendar of where, where, and when I see things. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely like check local resources, different foraging books. And I have, I have a list on my blog that is foraging resources and then know the ecosystem, know your land actually first, know your land you want to, you don't want to pull from something that is going to have like toxic soil, because a lot of those plants, Mm -hmm. those weeds are pulling those nutrients from the soil. Mm -hmm. So you Mm -hmm. don't want to plant, uh, pull them from those types of toxic areas. And then if you need to ask an owner, like we want foraging to be this like beautiful thing that blesses people and not like going (laughs) trespassing on someone's land. Um, That's part of knowing your land. Know your ecosystem. We're part of a larger whole, and we want those plants Mm -hmm. to come back. So don't overharvest and leave Mm -hmm. some, not only to repopulate, but to also um, feed other others, other animals or gatherers. So, and Mm -hmm. then know your purpose. Um, Listen to your body. Know what you're planning to do with the plant. If you just pull a bunch of stuff and don't do anything with it, then that can be a waste. But those are my. I I love that. You might not have jewelweed, but you probably have plantain, and that is an amazing skin soother, so. Yeah, I I need to tincture some plantain
0: so I can spray it on, because all the things Mm -hmm. that I have plantain in right now are salve, and Eric's reaction is like ginormous blisters, and. All this, yeah. and we don't really want to rub anything on it, but I want something I can just like spray on. And I've gotten a jewelweed spray from Etsy before, and that was nice. But I was like, I kind of want to know that it's fresh <laughs> and it's <laughs> the most potent that it's going to be. But with what you were saying about making sure that you like leave some for later, my, I'm sure a lot of people do this, but my uncle would always forage for mushrooms, and he would take those mesh bags. And he would always carry his bags home in mesh so that the mushroom spores would spread throughout the forest as he was walking and fall out of the bag and go everywhere. So things like that are yeah, a nice that's an way awesome, to awesome spread, spread things around.
1: I haven't mentioned my third yeah. book. Oh, yeah. Um, right now we're re-listening to The Horse and His Boy. And that is actually one mm-hmm. of my favorite. That's my favorite Chronicles of Narnia. I don't Me know too. Oh, well, I love that. Yeah. And it's just kind of that like the shot when Shasta gets to the end, or at least he thinks it's the end and he's like ready Mm -hmm. to relax. And it's like, no, no, you have more to go. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that often speaks to my heart Mm because I'm an Enneagram nine. So I just want to like be comfy. (laughs) I just want (laughs) the world to like be good. And um, Mm -hmm. we moved out here to kind of have this space of growth and beauty. And it was really hard at first. So Mm -hmm. that would definitely be my third book. I like that. So
2: you were telling us about a new genre that you're liking um, and I want to hear about that.
1: So I found a word recently called hope punk and it was, it came an author originalized the idea and it was sort of the opposite of grim dark, which is very much populating our fiction and our mm-hmm. um, literature TV. and our entertainment right now. And hope yeah. punk is the opposite of it. It's bringing light to the, to the dark parts of the world. It's, ultimate kindness. Actually, I'll read the definition if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Works in the hope punk subgenre are about characters fighting for positive change, radical kindness, and communal responses to challenges. And Lord of the Rings is a a great example of that. But when I heard that word, I just felt like this, oh my gosh, that describes me. Like I love, like I'm a hope punk. (laughs) Yeah. In a hope way. And Uh, Last night, as I was thinking about this podcast, uh, God gave me the verse. It's in Hebrews, I think. And now I'm forgetting the actual, I'll try to remember and then, and you guys can put it in the notes. But hope does not disappoint. Mm -hmm. And I thought Mm -hmm. that is so true. Like, if you have, if you can continue to hope, it does not disappoint. So, yeah,
0: that's true. I love that. I, also really appreciate all the authors that are writing in that genre right now
1: mm-hmm.
0: and pushing back against the darkness. Amanda and I just did an interview with S.D. Smith and J.C. Smith mm-hmm. for the new book, Jack Sulu and the Waylander's Key. And that definitely would fall
1: into that hope punk category in definitely. my mind. And yeah. I, see, I see there this, this kind of revolution that's in opposition to the grim dark that's happening, mm-hmm. creating those hope punks. Yeah. But you gonna need a t-shirt that says Hope Punk.
2: <laughs> yes, yes, definitely.
1: Definitely get those going.
2: Mm-hmm. So, what have you been reading that fits into that category?
1: So we currently in our homeschool are reading the Mistmantle Chronicles. And okay. that definitely fits into that category. And I actually found it because of Reshelving Alexandria. I found a a book in a thrift store and I posted a picture of it in the Facebook group of Reshelving Alexandria. And I was like, should I buy this? And it was the third one, which is actually like, was originally like $60 to $80 on eBay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and everyone's like, yes, jump at it. Like you need to buy it or if you don't want it, buy it and I'll pay you for it. <laughs> um, so I bought it and then I started looking for book one and book two. And I think I found book one on thrift books and then a friend gave me book two actually. So we just started that series and I'm really excited for that one. So we we're just like halfway into it. And we read it in our morning time and the kids are always like, can, can we do, can we do one more? <laughs>
2: <Yes>. <laughs> the mark of the best books. Yeah,
1: yes, they are really good.
2: <laughs> I'm so
0: glad that Jill from Purple House Press was able to get the rights to republish those.
2: Absolutely. And is yes, working I'm with really the author excited. on
0: some, some fun new bonuses as well. I've heard oh, rumbles really. of, so that'll be exciting. I'm waiting for to get them all done and do the hardcover box set on
2: kickstarter mm. that i heard is
0: coming that's exciting but i have not read those i know amanda's read three or four of first them
2: three i've read the first three okay. and yeah i think we have the fourth one but i haven't read it yet but and i we love were... that they're they're not like a cliffhanger-y thing mm-hmm. so if you're If you're not buying them or not reading them because you're worried you're going to get stuck on a cliffhanger, that's not the case. And I really like that. I really appreciate that.
0: Yeah. And we've had conversations before about the fact that they are a little darker and heavier. Obviously, that hope Mm -hmm. is shining through, but the Mm
1: -hmm.
0: hope is overcoming something, right? So the darkness Mm -hmm. that the hope is overcoming is fairly dark. And so sometimes we have these conversations where we compare series to other series and try to rank them in in level of intensity and so where did you think that those fell amanda with like the green ember books and the um or and you can chime in too, mary if you've read these the green ember books and the wing feather saga and some of those other fantasy series were,
2: in my opinion they're uh see i like to i like to say that the Mismanel chronicles aren't good versus bad they're good versus evil and mm-hmm. the evil's is pretty bad. Cool. So I think it's a little heavier. You have to, you have to be ready for it. It's a little heavier than like the wing feather or uh, definitely heavier than the green, green ember, I would say. Yeah. But what do you think, that. Mary?
1: I would say that as well. I haven't listened to, we listened to a couple of the uh, green ember. My kids listen to all of them, but I haven't listened to all of them. I just, uh, we actually read a chapter from sort of Husk's, Captain Husk's perspective And that was, like, he's dealing with evil things, and it's showing how how evil it is. So I think that's a really good explanation of good versus evil. And Mm -hmm. it definitely, the hope shines through, but there's definitely, Mm -hmm. like, moments that I think little kids wouldn't wouldn't enjoy. So. Yeah. Yeah,
2: Definitely. If your kid's. I mean, if your kid's ready for the Holocaust, this should just be fine. But if, you're, if that's too much to discuss on any level, I would not give them yeah. the Mismanical Chronicles until they were yeah. ready.
1: There's a murder right off the bat, pretty much. Yeah. So I would yeah, take that into yeah. consideration.
2: It, yeah.
0: I also think it's interesting how differently these books hit. Parents than kids, just because of our life experience and our deeper understanding of the ramifications of things that are happening. Yeah. We
1: yeah.
0: read the Green Ember series when my girls were younger, and it it does have a calling. Like the young rabbits are being taken and eaten by the the birds. And then I know Amanda was talking about the calling of young mm-hmm. that happens in the Mismantle series and how hard that was for her. And I know it was hard for me to know that was going on in the green ember, mm-hmm. but my kids are just like, bummer next.
1: Like, <laughs> like,
0: like it didn't really hit them the same I way.
2: Think make, I think what makes the Mismantle a little harder is that they're calling their own. Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: And it's not, and it's not for like, You know, coming from a hunting family, it's, you know, eating is you eat. And it's sad, but. Did uh, you read the
0: Green Ember books, Amanda? Mm -hmm. Because you just may not be remembering this, but they're calling their own. They're calling their own in the Green Ember series because there are some evil rabbits who have been put as overlords over the rabbits by the birds. And they're facilitating this calling on behalf of. The rulers, yes, so yeah, in that way, like uh, they are calling their own, but it's not like a family calling it's. They're own. like,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess I just kind of viewed that as opposite sides, yeah, in like a war, as opposed yeah. to, yeah, yeah, that's a little more similar than I was remembering.
0: Yeah, but I, I do just think it's, it's always interesting how blase my kids are about some of the things where I'm just like a blubbering mess <laughs> over yeah. the. I'm like I have life experience I know what it would feel like as a mother to like have my child ripped for me and like you guys are just like okay just next next chapter <laughs> Move, along, parent, mom. stop think. crying
2: <laughs> yeah. it's becoming a parent that does that to you I think yes
0: I really like your, you have a foraging library on your blog, and there's a great collection of books there for people that want to get into foraging and have some experience in foraging. I went ahead and ordered your number one recommendation, but do you want to talk about your top recommendations for people?
1: Yeah, I, I think if you're beginning foraging, Wild Edibles by Sergey Butenko, I hope mm-hmm. I'm not butchering his last name, is an awesome resource. <laughs> It that's is, the one we actually, ordered. It's it's oh, beautiful. Awesome. We I actually got to meet him uh, a couple years ago when I was starting my foraging journey, and he actually Thanks. originally came out with a foraging deck. And I don't I don't think he sells those anymore, but there are other options on Amazon. But I think it's a great resource. The pictures are like there are a lot of pictures. They're very clear. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of information about each part of the plant, and I think that's a great resource. I think something local as well. So wild edibles is a lot of things that will be local in the, in the United States. Um, so yeah. something local, there is a series called the regional foraging series. And this one is the mountain States foraging. This is the one that I use, but there are by different authors, but they have different regions. So I would definitely recommend something for your region. Cause you're going to have unique stuff that I won't have mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. And I think just continuing to read those plants and uh, observe them and be out in nature is a great way to start foraging. If you're interested yeah. in like the remedy side of plants, because I really think there are recipes and remedies right outside your mm-hmm. door. If you're interested in that, I would recommend Wild Remedies. That one is also a great source. Not only like here are the Here are the ways that the plants help you, but here are some recipes on how to use the plants. Mm -hmm. So it's both practical and informational.
2: Have you ever looked into homeopathy?
1: A little bit. And I I keep several things on hand, like Arnica. I keep that Mm -hmm. on hand. I keep Magnesium Phosphorica, like for food poisoning or stomach issues. Mm -hmm. And then I do actually keep Hypericum perforatum, which is St. John's wort on hand um, for like Mm -hmm. nerve pain, tooth problems, and that type of thing. That's What's something been, in the future I'd love to learn more about. Yeah.
2: What's yeah. been blowing my mind lately is I got this really old book that has, uh, like, it's a home medical book, and it has, like, allopathic, homeopathic, and herbal remedies all, Ooh. like, together in one
0: This is the book you section. got that's, like, a tome, right?
2: It's, like, a tome, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's super interesting. It's available on archive, I can't find a cheap copy. I need it. This I borrowed this. I have to give it back. <laughs> but, um, but what I've noticed when I've been looking into herbalism versus homeopathy is a lot of the homeopathic remedies are also herbal remedies, but the herbal version of it, like bloodroot is a homeopathic remedy. But I was looking at it and it was saying, this is toxic, so take one drop of a tincture in a full glass of water it's like oh a lot of these herbal remedies that like the dosage is teeny tiny are also homeopathic remedies just it was blowing my mind
1: yeah, yeah. it's all kind of interconnected it mm-hmm. is yeah
2: homeopathy has been a
0: huge blessing for our family because our eldest son is autistic and for the first nine years of his life was very resistant to swallowing anything Mm. that he didn't want he had i don't even remember what it's called right now but he had some childhood thing where he got these blisters all around his mouth and face it starts with a c whatever it was and we had tried every herbal remedy under the sun for it all these natural things that we knew and we went in and finally Our pediatrician who's very natural minded and had been helping us through all of these natural remedies was like, he needs an antibiotic. So we went in and got it. And after two days of my husband and I both trying every known thing under the sun to get him to swallow this. And even if we got it down him, he would just reject it <laughs> immediately. Uh-huh. We had to take him in and get a shot. Like he had to get an antibiotic shot because there was no other way to get him to swallow stuff. So what I love about homeopathy is that it's it's basically sugar pills. Like that's what yeah. it. <laughs> That's what it is to a kid. You know, it's just a sugar Mm -hmm. pill. It doesn't have any flavor. It's not offensive. And you can put it in water and it'll dissolve. And then they just, if they're going to drink water or juice or whatever, they can get the full dose Mm -hmm. even more potently through their beverage. And it has kept us out of the hospital with him more times than I can count. And knowing how traumatic a hospital visit would have been with him at those ages, there was one night when everybody had some form of like bronchitis really bad. And I was laying in bed next to him and he sounded like he was sawing wood and his breathing was in his sleep was getting more and more labored. And I was like, if this doesn't change, I have to take him in for some sort of breathing treatment. Like I I can't give Mm -hmm. him any of the herbal stuff that everybody else is on these, like cough syrups and all this. He won't take anything. Mm -hmm. And it's getting to the point where I'm pretty laid back. I'm not a helicopter parent. (laughs) I'm pretty just like, let it run its course. But I was concerned for him. And I was like, I'm going to have to do something. And I just kept thinking, it sounds like he's sawing wood. It sounds like he's sawing wood. And I Googled and I was like, homeopathic remedy, sawing wood. (laughs) <laughs> and that's what, that was it like because they're all based like they're not based on diagnosis they're all based on symptoms mm-hmm. and there it was wheezing sounds like sawing wood and I put the remedy under his tongue within five minutes he was breathing fine oh, one wow. dose that was it and he was like fine and slept through the night and I was able to sleep through the night and that was that was like the turning point for me where I was like I have to know more about this to protect him from medical interventions that he is going to be traumatized by, otherwise, and so I started taking homeopathic classes online at that point and got all the books and have all sorts of stuff and it's It's been such a blessing to our family and we use a lot of herbs with the older kids for more more mild things that I just you know want their system to fight through and whatnot, but for nightly, we always go straight to the homeopathy and it just mm-hmm. it kicks it so fast.
1: So but, what would yeah. you what would you recommend starting to learn about that?
0: There's Joette J O E T T E, and then her last name starts with a C. hello <laughs> Cabr- brace yeah, brace yeah. Um, she offers really good classes, but there's a new homeopathy homeschool curriculum that Charlotte Mason philosophy-based, and that is really good. I was a beta tester for that, and I plan to go through it with the girls probably in the spring. Our fall semester is already, like, booked too heavily for me. (laughs) But once we drop a whole bunch of these classes when we finish them, I'm going to try to add that one in because the girls are really good at some of this stuff, and they just have the remedies that we use the most often that they're familiar with, that they know to go for, or even to recommend to their friends and I'm always getting forwarded messages from Inara and her best friend and she's like this is what I think she should take but you know this is her symptom set and how it's presenting am I missing something so I want to empower them to be able to Mm. do this better so Joette's classes are really good and then the the homeschool curriculum was actually written by one of Joette's uh, ghostwriters so she's highly knowledgeable as well and her, I don't remember why, but her family does a lot of international travel for her husband's job. I don't remember what it is, but when I was taking Joette's class, she was teaching it, and she was in Hungary, so there's like the big time difference. But like in Europe, they use homeopathy for almost everything, and so she was really appreciating having you know like a homeopathic pharmacy down the street and things of that nature mm-hmm. that I'm jealous it's about. In a
2: little <laughs> like uh, Joe's boys, it's in Joe's mm-hmm. boys a lot too
0: yeah, Louisa May Alcott definitely was a mm-hmm. strong proponent for homeopathy, so Ooh. that's where I would start is um, I would just sign up for Joette's newsletter because that comes out and it she just does like a short synopsis of if this is the type of situation you're dealing with, what would you do? And if it's of interest to you, then you can just click on the link to the article and then she just breaks it down. There's so much so many free resources just in her articles, like that's where we. That's the article I always forward to people when they're like, we had, you know, a tick bite. What do we do to prevent Lyme? And
1: Hmm. I've
0: (laughs) driven out to Amanda's with remedies before when she didn't have them on hand, like the first time it's like, here's the remedies. And most of my friends know I'm willing to drive halfway, like wherever you are in the country, I will drive halfway (laughs) and give you what you need. If you're in Iowa, I'll probably drive the whole way. But like, otherwise, I'll drive halfway and meet you if you need something immediately and Hmm. I have it on hand. So yeah, it's true but, that. <laughs> <laughs> These are just. Yeah, you know, I. I think I've shared this before, but my my other mother, when I was growing up, Mrs. Brown, she the Lord only allowed her to have one child, and she wanted a whole lot more, and so she just adopted all these other kids in her life. And she always said that the world is so full of people, and you only come across a certain number in your life and so she truly believed that any child that the Lord brought into her path was for a reason and was her responsibility and so i don't know how many thousands of kids she still prays for on a regular basis today because they crossed her path at some point and in her mind became her responsibility but that's how i feel about my friends like you only have so many friends in your life and the lord only brings so many people into your life and a lot of these people are friends with me because they pursued me when i was not mm-hmm. able to pursue other people when we had the fire and all of this my now really good friend Tracy just started sending me a meme every day like I didn't I didn't know her from Adam like she was just somebody in one of the groups and she just started sending me this funny meme and we we actually found a term on TikTok this woman said that it's penguin pebbling and she said this is what our friends do like penguins will gift each other pebbles for their nests and they'll just like show <laughs> up and drop a pebble and leave and like that's their like little gift and so it's really good for uh, neurodiverse people who may not want to talk all the time, or may not be able to have a conversation about what they're doing, or you may not know what to say to someone that you care about that you want them to feel better. But you can just like come and you can drop your little meme, which is just like dropping your little pebble, and it's this little like I'm thinking about you and I care. Have a good day, and like no words necessary. And so I like I always say that Tracy Penguin pebbled me into a friendship, and <laughs> she did. <laughs> now we're like really good friends so i love that that's um, really cool yeah my notes just dropped but i know i had another question marshmallows i want to talk about marshmallows <laughs> <laughs> they're like my favorite thing they're my favorite thing to come out of herbs in a long time
1: <laughs> it's Like bread. Well, I, <laughs> I love talking about marshmallows so uh marshmallows originally like their plant uh Mm-hmm. Uh, I love. I have a video on how to make them. I have a recipe on my blog on how to make like new modern marshmallows, but usually using the marshmallow plant. And, yes, originally, and I will read all of those
0: in the show notes. So if you guys want to find this marshmallow
1: information
0: and Mary's blog, <laughs> they'll all be linked there.
1: A lot of these like remedies were used in ancient times and medieval times. And there's mm-hmm. records of marshmallow root being pulled up and boiled and then like uh, boiled in honey. And then people would suck on them to soothe sore throats. And I think it was around the 1800s that the French took that idea and they like added meringue to it, which was the uh, first, like, kind of like the marshmallows we have today. Of course, Mm -hmm. the the marshmallows we have today don't have the plant in them, but the (laughs) original idea came from the plant. And if you want to make them with the plant, I have my recipe. So originally, I actually did this. I love like I love learning information that that mm-hmm. fills my cup and I love sharing that information that I learn. So uh, before I started foraging, I had a blo- a different blog and I it was uh Infusions of Herbal Living and I had some fun recipes. I kind of did recipe creation um mixed with my photography because I was originally a wedding photographer and then I moved into food photography. So well, it was sort of all this conglomeration of stuff that I've kind of compiled together. But Mm -hmm. so I decided I wanted to do like a whole week of marshmallow recipes. And I like created and tweaked that marshmallow root, uh, marshmallow. And that was probably my favorite thing out of all the things because who doesn't love marshmallows, but. I love them. (laughs) (laughs) The More I eat marshmallow, like the the better my complexion looks, so I just oh, need to really? take marshmallows and eat it. I love that marshmallows <laughs> are can be a health food. You know, it's like so much yeah. gelatin
0: <laughs> and all this good stuff for you. Yeah. It it's is. like when people break down cake and say that cake is a breakfast food because it's a grain and a protein and <laughs> you know all this stuffs
1: in cake. It's like there's your eggs and eggs and flour
0: and milk. Why my, daughter,
1: not? my daughter's been trying to tell me that chocolate is a salad. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs>
2: My dad always says chocolate's a vegetable because it's
0: a bean, so. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I just love the fact that with foraging and all of this, it really just drives home the A.A. Milne quote that I love that says, weeds are flowers too, once you get to know them. And so many of them are so beneficial. And if you love Agatha Christie, even the non-beneficial ones are good for murder. So... (laughs) We we have all this nightshade growing in the backyard right now, like taller than my husband. And we need to we so we bought this house and it has this steep slope and we bought it covered in snow. So we did not realize that there was no grass growing and that it's this steep slope. And the previous owners, I guess, had like five dogs and they just peed everywhere and killed all the grass and it was heavily shaded. And then we had the storm. And now it's not heavily shaded and we had a couple trees taken down. And so now all those weed seeds that have been sitting there for a century are all having their time to shine. And because of my husband's allergy to the Virginia creeper and because of my chronic illness, we just can't figure out what to do about this. We are strongly considering bringing Amanda's sheep over and just Mm -hmm. (laughs) – Having them clear the space for us it seems like the most viable option at this point but with all this um, nightshade out there we've actually been doing research between the different types of nightshades because I guess deadly nightshade is the one that actually will just like kill you on one Mm -hmm. one berry but the other ones are not nearly as toxic and I'm i'm really allergic to the nightshade family so tomatoes potatoes peppers all of that so i can't just go out and grab this stuff because then i'll be unable to move my joints for a week and uh but i told eric i was like well when you pull up the nightshade throw a few berries in the freezer you never know when you gotta kill somebody and he's like read too many murder mysteries (laughs) All about preparedness, okay? These things could be worth a lot on the black market, and <laughs> then zombie apocalypse—you
1: just don't know. <laughs> I think Actually, that, zombie... that brings up, you know, the zombie apocalypse, and people think they're going to be hungry, mm-hmm. and it's like, there's so many plants you could <laughs> forage. Yes, um, I still sorry. just prefer the the animals to
0: eat the plants. Like the plants are the food that my food eats. That's <laughs> yeah, that's
2: my preference.
0: They can food. process it, and then I'll get the nutrients through eating. The <laughs>
1: that's that's my yep. view. <laughs> there is uh there is a book called A Weed Is a Flower too, and I think it's just A Weed Is a Flower by George. It's about George Washington Carver. It's a picture yes. book. It was a really I love the story of George Washington Carver, and mm-hmm. we listened to an audiobook about him as well. But he's a he's an amazing man who took what everyone thought was a weed and Mm -hmm. make so many different possibilities with it he's incredible
0: the messner biography on his life i'd read a lot of biographies on him as a kid and Mm -hmm. fell in love with him then and then as an adult so so i don't know if the books that i read when i was younger didn't include the letter that he got from booker t washington and just referenced it but like it wasn't a direct quote or if, again, as a kid, it just didn't hit me the same that it hits me now. But in the Messner biography, it includes the letter that Booker T. Washington sent to George Washington Carver, who was doing very well for himself out here at Iowa State College. And Booker writes in this letter and basically is like, I can't pay you. and like, Or if I pay you, it's going to be nothing compared to the scale of what you're being paid. But the poverty that our people are facing here and the lack of knowledge that they have on how to provide for themselves is going to kill everyone. And Mm -hmm. this is a little more dramatic than how he said it. He said it in a more gripping way. I'm probably embellishing, but it basically was like this poverty is intense and we have no one to teach them how to pull themselves up out of this Mm -hmm. hunger and, And just inability to provide for themselves on the soil that's here and all of this. And he's like, I I need you to come because he was starting the Tuskegee Institute. And he did not think that George would come, but it was his Hail Mary, basically. And it said that, like, George carried the letter around with him for a few days. And then he just sent a telegram or letter back. And it basically was just one line. And it's like, I'm coming. that was it like that was his response and then he retired from you know the the wealth and everything that he was going to accumulate and notoriety and all this here at Iowa State and then went went down and changed the world (laughs) and changed the lives of so many people and and all this but I just those two words I'm coming they just like hit me so hard and Mm -hmm and just Booker T's impassioned plea. And it's just, uh, I love that, man. He's such a, Are you ready? A yeah. Are we ready
1: for that? Ready to be called?
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. And to drop everything and say, I'm coming. That's what Eric always talks about. He always talks about being ready. And, mm. you know, with, with the fire and all this, he's like, you know, we have to get our house in order. We have to get our finances in order. We need to be, to be ready to go or to help or to be able to, to give more and, be prepared with knowledge. Be prepared with resources, just to help people as as they need it. As things just don't seem like they're getting easier in the world around us. So yeah, I I love reading biographies like that, and I just I feel like they stir something in you, and they they give you lamp posts along the way. Like this person did this, and this person did this, and lighted the path for others. And how can how can we shed a little bit of light on the path for? for those coming behind us. Those are definitely hope,
1: hope punk, not hope. punk. Yes. <laughs> hope. Yes. <punk. laughs>
0: yeah. I definitely think so many, especially the Messner biographies. I feel like those are really written focused on the hope that people gave. Even, even the stories that just end in tragedy, like their lives have this tragic loss. It highlights the hope portion of their life and, and what they did. I mean, except for Stalin, like that book was just a downer. (laughs) (laughs) But
1: but the majority of them,
0: the people that we know for hopeful things, it does a really good job of highlighting that.
1: Yeah, it does. I actually included two of George Washington Carver's quotes in my foraging journal book. Everyone knows something. Most people know a lot of things, but it is the person who can organize what he or she knows that will get somewhere in life. When I actually listened to that, I was like, I'm going to create this foraging journal. (laughs) Yeah. And then uh his other quote which I really love, reading about nature is fine, but if a person walks in the woods and listens carefully, he can learn more than what is in books, for they speak with the voice of God. And he actually started his days every day by having a walk in nature. And that was sort of his like prayer time.
0: I loved that. Oh nice. That is beautiful. Can you show us the foraging journal again? Yeah, sorry. It's a little
1: dark here. It's, so this it's is a
0: really pretty green with flowers on it. Yeah, and I love the the dark spine that is very journal-esque.
1: What do the pages look like? Do they have me writing prompts or are they... So there are different sections in the foraging journal. There's like a plant profile section where you can fill out different information about plants that you forage. There is for like foraging trips. Like if you take a, pl- a trip somewhere, you can like list what plants you found, where you found them. So you can go back and forage those again at, at the same time as well. And then a calendar section so you can keep track of what different plants are in season. Cause I have often missed plants because I haven't been looking for them. Yeah. <laughs> and then map area and then an area for like recipes and stuff. So I created this sort of for myself and then other people too so that they can record the information that they learned. Cause I have a total mom brain and I forget yeah. things often.
0: So. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. And I think that would be a great resource to go along with nature studies and mm-hmm. things that people are just observing in their, their little circle of space around themselves. So I would yeah. recommend that to people looking to do nature study and understand more about the, the uses of the nature that is around them. We will link to that in the show notes as well. And did you say the George Washington Carver quotes are quotes that you personally wrote into it, or are they? Do you have quotes throughout well, yeah, it
1: for people? There to are read? actually quotes throughout it. Like um, when each section, when the section changes, there's a quote also that kind of ties in yeah. to it as well. So I have a Jane Austen quote in here. I have a John Muir quote in here, and I have a Henry David Thoreau. All good things are wild and free.
2: <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> That's
0: very nice. I do love that. I saw something that was new to me this weekend when we were up in Galena. I Mm. saw a hummingbird moth. And I'd heard about hummingbird moths, but I think in my mind they were much smaller. And when I saw it, I thought it was a hummingbird. And my brain did not want to think that what I was seeing was not a hummingbird so I was like, look at this hummingbird. And Eric's like, I don't think that is a hummingbird. I think that's a bug. <laughs> and I'm like, it's not a bug. I was like, there is a bug called a hummingbird moth, but I don't think that this is it. And I'm looking at it and my brain is like taking things in. Like the fact that it has bug legs, the fact that it has antennae, and all this. And I'm just like, but that body is huge. It's huge <laughs> okay. body. Like how can those little oh. wings keep up such a huge body and I was like well, that's why it has to flap so hard is to keep its fat body up <laughs> like I have never seen anything on butterfly or moth wings with such a fat body like sometimes in little mm-hmm. kid books you'll see funny things where it's like basically the caterpillar now has wings I, I think bugs life right like doesn't the caterpillar still basically have its caterpillar body even when it gets its wings at the end and that's just not not the way it is but this thing looks like it's dense it looks like it is a linebacker for football like it is this like massively thick dense body and then these little moth wings fluttering like their life depends on it but i got a video of it and the way the sun was shining like i also got the reflection like the shadow of the butter of the hummingbird moth on the cement next to it so it's like it's in double time. It's like the hummingbird moth itself and then the shadow and it's fluttering so fast. And of course, this is the video that Instagram decides the whole world needs to see. It's like the closest to viral any of my stuff has ever gotten. And I was like, it's a book page. <laughs> like, Instagram will not respect my book content. And instead it's like, let's show the butterfly, the hummingbird moth to everyone. <laughs> so I like woke up the next morning to like, Three hundred likes on it and five thousand views, and I was like, "What just happened?" I was like, "But it's beautiful." So if anything's going to get some Facetime, it might as well be God's creation because
2: mm-hmm. it is
0: just gorgeous looking, and it really, it just, it was so. It was a good reminder to me of how hard it is for people to change their mind about Ooh. things that they think yeah. they know, and yep. there's just that. Like your brain doesn't want to think that it's misinterpreting the information that it's received. So just in life on scale, right? Like how many people are being told things that they refuse to believe, even though there's empirical evidence that that's the fact because they've already believed this. And they're like, I just, I can't find a way to make them compute because I'm standing there looking at this thing. And I was like, yeah, those aren't bird legs. Like those are very clearly insect legs and a whole lot of them. And antenna, but my brain stills like it's a hummingbird. Like those are the only things we've ever seen that flap like that and have a body that big. So clearly, but so I think it just helped me to be like, okay, I need to extend some grace to people because my brain was like, no way, no way. This mm-hmm. is what that hummingbird moth is that you've heard about. I always think that those were like honorific titles, but it's like no, it's like it's a legit hummingbird, except it's a moth. <laughs> it doesn't just have the markings or the coloring of something. <laughs>
1: So, I th- yeah, I think that's so true in the world of weeds, too, because we're often told like those are weeds. You should spray your yard. It should mm-hmm. be like completely mm-hmm. moved. Yeah. Um, we lived in a, as I mentioned, we lived in a suburban neighborhood before. And as I was learning about foraging, we kept the front yard really I mean, well maintained for, mm-hmm. <laughs> for a mom who had two kids and a husband who yeah. was 60. Years mm-hmm. And the backyard, we said we thought we would do like an experiment and let like whatever grow, grow. And we actually had a six foot white vinyl fence. So people couldn't like see into our backyard on accident. Um, Mm -hmm. And we just let things grow. But we, you know, in our neighborhood, we had people who didn't appreciate that. And we actually had a person (laughs) show up at our door with a uh, city citation order saying like, hey, you can't have weeds. And like in in the city of Post Falls, that's where we lived. You cannot have weeds over eight inches tall.
2: So I asked him, well,
1: I asked him very like, cordially, will you please define weeds? And he said, what? <laughs> I was like, will you, will you please define weeds? And he's like, well, like, and I think I don't think I didn't remember him giving me a reason. So I actually said, I'll take you in my backyard and I'll show you what those plants are and how we use them. I went in the backyard with him, and he wrote things several things down on his like notepad that he had. And he called me a couple of days later, and he's like, "Your story checks out. Like you can keep your weeds. You just have to know. The... You just have to what? You have to mow the grass around it. Um, so I did do that. Yeah, I actually, <laughs> made the backyard worse. <laughs> Um, we That's had funny. we had neighbors who called the police over me growing yeah. wild animals in the backyard in the backyard and yeah um, thankfully so there's, there is that sort of that I mean. cognitive dissonance you have been told they're bad they are bad um, and really I just want to be able to show people that you can have your weeds and eat them too <laughs> <But> <laughs> I, I used one of the plants that was in my backyard and I made crackers and I brought it to the person who had called the police, because um, I knew who she was, and and my heart went out I to her out because there. there's just this she doesn't know she's mm-hmm. functioning at the best that she can where she's at, um, and I made her the crackers and I said you don't have to try them if you're not comfortable, but I made these from the plants that are growing in my backyard, and you might like them if you try them, and mm-hmm. then I left her with those and I never I never heard back from her if she tried them and that's okay. <laughs> But I do want there to be sort of a, uh, you know, just like George Washington Carver. Not, not comparing myself at all to him. Right. But he, you know, revol like he revolutionized everyone's ideas on what peanuts and sweet potatoes were. And mm-hmm. let's open our eyes to what the plants that God has given us have to offer. So,
0: yeah, that is my hope. Amanda lives in the middle of cornfields. I do. And, and I was taking. Well, it's not just corn. I don't know what that. Plant.
2: Corn
0: and soy. Is it soy? I thought it was soy. So corn I was bringing soy. her her daughter home from dance class last night. And as we were driving past the soy, I was like, I wonder what those plants are that are growing in the field that aren't the crop. Because mm. there's a whole bunch that are like double the height. And they all look, I mean, except for like a couple of random pieces of corn, they look pretty uniform. And what the plant is. And I was like, I wonder what that plant is. And my 10-year-old son in the back goes, it's a weed, mom. And I was like, a weed is only a plant growing where you don't want it. Like, that's my firm belief. And I was like, if that was growing in a plot all of its own, it would be something. So I just want to know what that something is.
2: Even that, I have been learning about goat keeping and sheep keeping and all of that. And our pasture is... Full of what one would call weeds it's ragweed mm-hmm. um it's nothing but weeds it's but most of the weeds are you know we debated trying to seed with like pasture grasses but most of the weeds there are actually more nutritious than pasture grasses so it's like why mm. would i why would i try and get rid of these things that are feeding my animals well and yeah. plant pasture grasses instead it's just
1: it's what you know. Yeah. Yeah. And there are, there are actually weeds. There are in some invasive species. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there are like one of the plants that I had a really hard time with was wild morning glory. They call it bindweed because it just binds Yes, we
2: have that. It's terrible.
1: Yeah, yeah it kills them. Um, do you know how to get rid of bindweed? I do not. Besides pulling it out. <laughs>
2: do you? Move. Move.
1: Move, yeah. We did. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is awful, but I remember – Having that same kind of, okay, God, like, what is the use of this plant? Um, like you created it, like what's, like what's the purpose? And I remember one night I was doing dishes and looking at my wild weed jungle in the backyard. And the morning glories turned pink as the sun set. Like they, they actually changed colors and I didn't know that. Um, so there's there's some beauty to, or there's some usefulness to beauty too as well. But yeah, there are plants that could kill you. There are weeds that could do that. Like Like my deadly nightshade. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Just to know your plant. Go back to
0: your four nose. Well, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing all of this with us. This is very informative and encouraging. I'm all excited to start cataloging my books by Hope Punk. (laughs) Just pull them all together (laughs) and do a Hope Punk list but we will have all of this information on our show notes and we'll have your Instagram page. That's just lovely visually to follow and your blog for recipes and your foraging library for book recommendations for people that want to start building a foraging library. And hopefully we'll have you back and have more conversations later because I'm sure your wealth of knowledge, we barely even plumbed the surface on it. And thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me.
1: This was a ton of fun.
0: Yeah. So if you guys have any books that you feel fall into the hope punk genre, we would love to hear about them in the comments. And if you have a plant that you were really excited to find out what its use was, we'd love to hear the story about that as well. And we thank you all for your time. And remember, the stories are truer than true.